Welcome to the podcast of Small Differences with Ian and Otis. Good to see you again, Ian. Great to see you, Otis. How's the uh, how's the winter treating you over there? So I definitely got to the I got to the end of winter. Like I did it right as an achievement as a Californian. I have endured a New Hampshire winter. The lie, no lie is told. Like you do get to the end. Like you do get into like March and there's still snow on the yeah. ground. And you're like, yeah. all right, we're done here, right? Right? <laughs> right? New Hampshire. Yeah. That's I, I, New Hampshire. I'm like, I'm like, just gonna warn you about about one thing that uh, that I experience every year. It's like every year, the middle of March, like when I when I live back home, it's like every year, the middle of March would show up and you'd get some nice days and you'd basically be like, it's over. And you'd be, you know, you'd be running around without a jacket and it was so nice. And there, there is always one last storm, always. Yeah, yeah, no, I checked the, I checked the data that like you average, you average uh, another couple, like a couple of snowstorms in March per year where we we live, and maybe one in the early part of April. Yep. It rains a fair amount at this part of the year. The part that I am super excited about is that all of the snow melted, and our house was only a mud pit for like two days before mm-hmm. it all dried out, which is just super exciting because that was the part <laughs> I was least looking forward to was that basically this state turns into a granite rock with mud on top of it for yeah. uh, you know a couple of weeks at least in the, in the springtime and I, yeah. I wasn't excited about that yeah well I'm 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 hoping that 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 like you have a really nice end of March like through April like and 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 that there is no late season snowstorms. Like let the rain come, but like think, late season snow, late season sleet just sucks. I think I'll be okay, right? Like if it throws one more snowstorm at me, I'll put the kids on the sleds and they'll get a couple <laughs> out of it. The fact that we've got these two weeks of yeah. not snow and I can just wear normal shoes outside, and my kids don't have to bring an extra bag to school. By the way, yeah. my kids are going to school. Hey, um, awesome! Yeah. That's all pretty exciting, and you've got your home office set up. I yeah. think we should we should cover a little what are what are essential items in the home office, Ian. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it's like I mean, for me, it was like uh, bookshelf for all of my books. I mean, you've you've seen my place; it's like packed with books. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, we've got both the, you know, the sort of the regular seated desk with, with like the nice chair and the standing desk. Uh, Then I've got my like little like reading nook, like comfy sort of like hangout chair. And then I've got my whiteboard and the whiteboard is like the real key piece of equipment. Um, so so that is brand new and i'm like so excited about it uh probably irrationally so no 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 it's not right i don't i don't have a whiteboard currently in fact my office is like for someone who works at home like it's not it's not quite built yet but like the whiteboard will complete it like if you're gonna be working at home for a long time like you should have a whiteboard and learn how to like display it to people while you're Mm -hmm. While you're doing it, um, when I first came to work for Devoted, DJ Patel had been working from San, you know, from his home in Palo Alto, mm-hmm. and the rest of the company is in Massachusetts. And he was just like, he would get a big old smile on his face and wheel out the whiteboard whenever he <laughs> wanted to make a point. And yeah, and and like, there's something about being able to write while you're standing up and moving around that like just you can't replicate that in a notebook like you can't replicate that on a computer like it's just not the same Hmm. as like having this big expansive thing that you can like you know that that you can that where like you can actually write something fairly extensive or like you know draw out like pretty extensive flows uh, and like you're standing up and, and you've got your, you know, like, like the blood is flowing because you're like moving around. Like it's just very hard to replicate that experience. And I mean, I, I hadn't had that essentially since I, since I left Clover like a year and a half, you know, like a year and a half ago now. 
Um, and, and like, there were certain things that I was doing basically being like, man, I really, really, really want to do this on a whiteboard and I don't have one. And I, and, and like, I just knew that I'd be able to think through it more, more clearly if I, if I had that anyway, now I do, I'm like super excited about it. Um, and like, I'm already like starting to like, there, there are some things I have to do and I'm going to like lay them out on the whiteboard and like, it's going to be awesome. I love, I, yeah, I love that. I never thought about that to you, like the standing up. Um, I don't know if you, you saw the movie Soul that came out. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah that was the, great. Yeah, the bit in it where there's a certain type of intellectual work even um, where you feels like you're improvising, right? Like right. you're, you're yeah. challenging, you're discovering, like you're, yeah. getting, you're getting into your flow. It's harder to get into flow sitting in, in front of a, a, a computer screen yeah. sometimes. Well, and, and, and also, I mean, the other nice thing about it, and obviously like, I can't do this right now, but I, you know, I think the world where I can do it again is probably coming, like to have both that ability to like write and sketch, but do that with like another person and like a collaborative process. Yeah. It's not quite, it's hard. It's a little harder, right? Yeah. Like to. Yeah, like you can, I feel like you can plan out things ahead of time and show them on your screen with the whiteboard. Yeah, yeah, and so like- It does not feel comfortable to be like, you are staring at your screen, yeah. I am drawing on a whiteboard. Yeah, um, yeah. And, so, and so like, I can't do that. Yeah, like doing that on a computer is not the same. Doing that in a notebook is impossible. Like you're not gonna lay down like a bunch of papers on a table and have people, like it's just having that yeah. thing that, that, that you can gather around with like another person or a small group of people and everyone's got a marker and you're starting to work something up. Like there, there's like, like, like the whiteboard is like a nice centerpiece, collaborative intellectual work. And so, you know, it, it, my, my office as well, like we've got a decent amount of floor space here. And so like, I could, I could have another person or two in here and just like working around this. And like, I'm pretty excited to be able to, to, to do that once, you know, uh, once a number of us are fully vaccinated. Uh, you know what, one of the eventual plans for my office is I have, um, I have not ordered this yet, but you can buy these little cards that switch back and forth between cameras. Oh, and cool. my kids have started making Beanie Boo videos Mm. Um, actually if you don't know what that is i'm not going to explain it you probably won't be happier um, <laughs> but i wanted to help help them set up like a multi a multi-cam mm. um uh studio that they could yeah. then use and then i could you know maybe that could expand to get me to get up and breathe a little bit on some of the the meetings that i have where i don't necessarily have to be sitting in front of my computer yeah, I, I mean, I assume whatever those videos are, if, if your kids are doing it, I'm going to learn about it eventually. So <laughs> the, the, we may have been figuring out a way that we could do um, scatter plots as taught by small animals with extraordinarily oh. large eyes. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see if that lands on, on YouTube at some point. Interesting, um, interesting. <laughs> we have some follow up from the, the, the previous uh, episode where we were talking about the brave, um, the brave future of remote work, yeah, um, and whether or not people are coming back to uh, back to the Bay Area. Like, what does it what does it all mean? And how most of most of our most of our takes were we think things will be different, but it's hard to say how. Yeah. Um, uh, well, let's see. What was the what was the follow up that we that we had? Yeah. So so. Um, one of our one uh, um, one of our listeners uh, pointed out that we didn't spend a whole lot of time talking about like like what the impact of 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 like this of like that choice of like being remote or being in the home office like could be on your sort of career advancement and development, and then there's an implied sort of piece in there. Uh, or, or that I see as implied, which is like the impact on, you know, on, on your compensation or your, or your future compensation. Um, yeah. uh, you know, and I think as well, like you look out there in sort of the zeitgeist, like there, there are, um, uh, there are a lot of questions around like, around like companies that, 
uh, that adjust for cost of living, you know, versus don't and what's the right way to do that and like all that, all that kind of stuff. Um, so those, those were sort of the questions that came up, but like that, I mean, I don't think we spent a ton of time on, on like those things. I've got I've got some some sane thoughts and some crazy thoughts <laughs> on this. Yeah. So I think it's real, and I'm not sure why, but I think it's real that it's harder to get for get a promotion to get noticed to like be advocated for when you're remote. Like yeah. it's harder to be visible. Yeah, that I that I agree with. Like a, and and like then for like anyone thinking about about being prim primarily remote like that is a like i don't think it does anyone any good to like deny that that is a thing um yeah and now if more people are remote that may be good for you if you're already remote because yeah. for i think for a lot of companies it really is like a first pass thing like it is a um it's a ranking problem right yeah. like the promotion is who's above the like what what ordinal rank are you not what is your absolute value <laughs> uh, yeah. well and, and, and like look cer certain positions have scarcity to them right so like in in most companies you can have you know um it, it, i mean you're you're constrained by the budget but like you know but you could have as many senior software engineers as you want right uh, and to a certain extent, you could have, you know, like as the team grows beyond a certain size, like, like, like you can have as many engineering managers as you want. You're still, but there's going to be a much more limited number of like directors of engineering and VPs of engineering and CTOs. And so at a, at a certain point. I feel point, like I've worked for some places where there were like two two vps of uh of whatever for every senior engineer but yeah okay. i mean it, it, it's <laughs> like look it, it, especially in startups like weird shit can happen yeah, um, we're just gonna solve this problem by hiring yeah. a vp <laughs> yeah it, it's it's just it's just to me again like when you think about reality like you do have to acknowledge that at some point in time you are moving into an area where there is more like like where 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 like the supply side of the of like of like the position is just much more constrained yeah i don't um, know that our podcast has a, sing a, a single theme but like your job is connected to a labor market which is weird scary and somewhat irrational yeah. is gotta be in the top 10 of the themes yeah. of our of our podcast yeah and so you know when i kind of think about this sort of problem like there's like two issues here right so like issue number one is 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 like basically all right like how do you work your way from you know let's say you get hired as like se1 like you know how do you make sure that you have enough visibility that like you're getting promoted sort of through the through the ranks Right. And there's some amount of that that's just like, well, work kind of productive work that you can tie yourself back to and some and, and a smaller amount of that, but still some that is like visibility oriented. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, the visibility part, I think, like can rear its head in, in sort of pernicious ways because like visibility is what gives you the future access. And then that ends up tied, you know, that's like the second order type of effect of like, well, you get on the right project that can be accelerant for, for your career. So even if you've been, even if like you've been, uh, you know, if, if your promotion cadence is the same as someone else, uh, so for a while you're the same, but then you get on the right project and they get on the wrong one, like you can kind of accelerate past them pretty quickly. And like visibility tends to get you to top of mind for the people who make those decisions. And then, and then at some point it flips where it's basically like, well, to get those scarce positions, like visibility, like everyone who is up for those scarce positions is going to be tied to some amount of, of, of like productive work. Cause you wouldn't even be on the list if that wasn't the case. And so then all of a sudden visibility becomes much more important. Um, uh, cause it's like, there's a bunch of people making the decisions. Like if they don't know you, it, it, it does make it harder. Um, 
Yeah, they have so, to think about you. Yeah, and yeah, like that. You know, it's, a, there's got to be a reason that they remember you. And yeah, yeah, and, and like you know, especially for the scarce positions, you can run into, you can easily run into scenarios where there's like four or five people who are like really, really, really well qualified for it, right? Who have done like amazing work in the past, shown leadership skills. Uh, you know, have have like navigated difficult situations, have shown an ability to like build and grow other, you know, teams and like, and like build up teammates are really, really well liked and well respected, like all that stuff. And so then, you know, the, the, the decision around who gets, which of the five gets that, you know, gets that, gets that position is now going to be made across some other axis. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, you know, to me, the big question around remote is like, how do you navigate around that? Um, and if a company is entirely remote, like that's less of a problem, but if it's like part of them are, I mean, it, at least it's a level playing field, right? It's a it's yeah, it, it's like, there's two aspects of this that are a problem, which is that like, there's, there's decreased visibility to your coworkers by virtue of being remote. Right. Yeah. If everybody's remote, that's still a problem. Yeah. Um, the other part is that's unfair. <laughs> and so if everybody's remote, that part isn't at least is at least yeah. not a problem. Right. Yeah. So you're you at least have the same problem as anybody else. And you have to yeah. you have to figure it out. I, I will say like this is not a thing I have really figured out. Right. Like yeah. I mostly like especially being remote, like do just going heads down, finishing the work, doing stuff that isn't necessarily high visibility is more enjoyable than it is even in the office, right? Like uh -huh. it is, it is nice to get through like fire way through three. I, I did like, I migrated uh, some, some scripts last week and that was like some of the most fun I'd had in, in a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those things where like, I think like we can name the problem but like the solution feels really unclear to me because I mean, you know, again, I, I start to think about the, those cases of like, I'm, you know, you have to evaluate five really good candidates for one position. Uh, like, like the chances are that that evaluation is, it will be made across a different axis than the thing that qualified them for the position. Yeah. Right, because because it kind of has to, since definitionally they will all have met that qualification bar. Um, so I mean, I mean, to me, if I'm like looking at this kind of going forward, like one of the things I would definitely do is like in evaluating any company that I would go to work in, is like I would talk to them about this and just and just be like, all right, can you, you know, show me the last like five people that got promoted into into like a director level role. And the thing I would want to see is, is that there's like some mix of, of sort of their backgrounds and, you know, and that like a couple, you know, at least a few of them weren't in the home office, right? Because if every single one of those was in the home office, then my directional evidence is saying, all right, well, if I'm remote, I'm probably, I, I may not have a chance at these higher level positions. Now that doesn't mean you don't join the company. There could be other reasons to join, but you're at least aware that that's, that sort of, that's a, that that's a likelihood, um, you know. So, so that's certainly one thing I would do. Um, another thing I would I would do is like I would probably make an effort to like just get FaceTime with skip levels. Um, uh, you know, knowing that I'm not going to get that naturally because I'm not going to pass them in the you know in the kitchen. I'm not going to like walk by their desks and be able to chat like I would do the uncomfortable thing and just say hey can I put some time on your calendar and like occasionally just bother them about that um like I would you know uh, so so like sort of be proactive so that like pe people knew my face I think um, most companies that are very remote have a fair amount of unstructured like either big messy meetings you know one option is is to have just open calendars where you keep a Zoom or a, a meetup uh, or hangout yeah. going. 
and then people can drop in and you're not necessarily working on the same thing, but you can, you can kind of chit chat. And then maybe, you know, you, I could see other, like a more remote committed company, including C levels yeah. on that. You know, I think with COVID um, that one has the drawback of like, everyone just gets sick and tired of being on video conferences all the time. Um, yeah, yeah. That definitely happened, happened for us. Um, yeah. But when, you know, maybe when not everyone is forced to be remote, like that's, yeah. that's a more, uh, that's a, a more feasible uh, yeah. solution for like if the company's interested, right? Like that's the, the key thing is like they yeah. they have to be cognizant that this is like a problem and that they're interested in. in yeah, yeah. And I mean, you know, like like the thing that I guess I would I would say at least about about things it, like like it is incumbent on on like company leadership to like acknowledge and and like address these 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 problems and i think the smart companies like do and will um they they can't always you know like nobody really knows what the solution is so like really you just want to see that they're trying something yes <laughs> like and exactly. like and, and like continually putting in effort um but that said like you know like this is all to like, yes, company leadership should care about this. Like, yes, company leadership should be putting effort into this. You as an individual should not be reliant on that because at the end of the day, like, like if you basically say, well, you know, this is company leadership's problem, they're going to have to solve it. Like, yes, that's true, but ultimately they're not going to bear the cost of it. You are. And so, you know, and so like, this is one of those places where I would definitely advocate for like, people to, to like, you know, also take agency here and like take control, you know, try to control your own outcomes as much as you can. Yeah. The, re- uh, the replacement it, level on your ideas is not high <laughs> in this, yeah, in this point, yeah. right? You should, you should yeah. And it's like fixed. Yeah. And, and it's certainly possible that like your company leadership sucks at this, like that could, that could definitely happen, you know, or they're not treating it with, with like the the level of investment that it requires but like understand that that like like that might be true of your cto but your cto is already a cto right so like it it it, like they don't feel the impact of this the way that you do and so like you know like like i think it is also incumbent on like you as the individual to like to like you know, wherever you are, put the effort in and do the best you can, because you're the one that bears the costs when this doesn't go right. Being the change um, and, see in the world. Um, well, I mean, I like uh, those those kinds of phrases are loaded because sometimes people like sometimes you have no levers. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that that I would sort of argue here is that is that even if your leadership sucks at this, you probably have some levers to pull, like pull those levers and, and like, like, yes, advocate to them that, that, that they change and do things better, but you also go do things. And it's not necessarily to like, Oh, you know, to put in the work to make your company better. It's literally like any amount of benefit from this. If you can get buy-in. Yeah. Yeah. Like will be ROI positive for you. Right. And so, so, you know, like be that annoying person who's constantly trying to get on, on the skip level, you know, on the skip levels calendar, like there you, but not like, you, yeah, like, like you might think that you're being annoying in reality, like they're probably not going to see it that way. Right. They're going to be like, okay, great. Someone is, you know, someone's taking the initiative and, and like trying to talk to me like fantastic. And they'll, you know, they'll kind of take that time, but like, like, you know, you can do work to get on people's radar and that can help, that can help mitigate some of this for you. It's not a scalable, it's like not a scalable solution, but it's still something where like you, you know, as a person, you would derive benefit from it. So like, like, sure, it still might not be as great as like being on the ground you know, with the person who is, you know, who, who is actually on site. And it's definitely not as great as this not being a problem at all, but there are still things you can do that would like meaningfully improve your own position, like go do those things. Yeah. 
and I, I and I think that one of the one of the reasons why that isn't um, is not as fantastic as it may sound, right? Is that because it's because there's not like established ideas here. Like I don't think there is like yeah. a bunch of. It's not like you're fighting uphill against entrenched wisdom here. Like this yeah. is a thing yeah. that basically is on nobody's radar, um, or it is on their radar, but they're just like not really sure what to do about it. Yeah. Well, and and like I mean, you know, before the you know essentially before the last like five years, I I don't think there was a like. I, I'm not sure that that there was a single like large successful company built like sort of knowledge company built on a remote workforce like like now there are a few examples of that um, but like you know if you would have told someone seven eight years ago that like yeah we're gonna do this fully remote thing like they would have thought you were crazy and so you know because of that like like this is a relatively new situation for everyone. And there are only now sort of emerging kind of examples uh, of success, you know, companies like GitLab and, and to Zapier, Zapier or whatever. Yeah, Zapier. whatever. I think uh, it's Zapier, right? Yeah, Zapier. Someone can correct uh, us. Yeah, who, who are like, who, who built of, you know, who, who have built fully remote companies and are doing quite well. Like that didn't happen 15 years ago. Um, and so, you know, basically, like we're still kind of navigating uncharted territory, although there's a few examples of some ships that found some treasure. And so like, maybe there's some things you could learn from them, you know, but I feel like, again, it, it has to be acknowledged that there's not a thing that anyone should clearly be doing here because like nobody really knows. Yeah. And so to a certain extent, the, 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 the most you can ask for is that your management is trying. Yes. Yeah. That's the thing you want. Yeah. Um, there, yeah, you can't, you can't be expecting them to get it right on the first try for sure. Yeah. Um, but if they're trying, that's a big deal. Um, yeah. It, I, it does make me wonder about, about what pay distribution is going to look like. Yeah. If, if the world goes more remote, I, I mean, I think it is true that wages are just generally downwards. They're sticky downward. Like people don't like to take a pay cut, even if they're. That's true. Uh, even yeah. if their um, costs decrease dramatically. Um, <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I still think they like comp like the the big advantage. What's in it for these companies to go remote is like there's one big obvious advantage, and then there's a bunch of like big like small, subtle disadvantages, right? Yeah. And so if they're not gonna cash in on that big obvious advantage of being able to hire people and have them live in lower cost of living areas and pay them a slightly smaller, much smaller, I don't know, price. Like I, I'm confused as to what the companies, like why they would be interested in this at all, Yeah. right? Well, I mean, there are still reasons why they might, um, you know, one, one big one is just like, you know, uh, the, the elasticity of the labor market in general and, and how much supply you have access to, right? So like if you need engineers and you can only hire them in the Bay Area, that is X number of people. If you can hire them anywhere in the country, it is, that is a large, it, it is a larger number than X. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, it, you know, how much larger is a, is a question of interpretation, uh, but it is certainly larger than X, regardless of what you have to pay those people. Like you just get access to more of them. Uh, you open that up to the entire planet. It is all it is significantly larger than X. Um so, you know, you could make an argument for this even without the cost savings to like basically say like, listen, there's a bunch of folks who, you know, who love Atlanta and want to live in Atlanta. And if you're a Bay Area company, you do not have access to hire them because they don't want to leave Atlanta. But the moment you say like, I'm willing to hire anyone anywhere, you have access to that pool, even if you're going to pay them the same as what you would pay a Bay Area engineer. Um, you know, now on, on the flip side, uh, like, 
for the, you know, from the cost saving, from the cost perspective, like, like that is a thing as a company you have to evaluate because, you know, at a certain point in time, uh, I, you know, there, there is an extra engineer that you get to hire if you can bank those cost savings, right? Now, now there are some companies who would want to bank the profit, but I think, you know, most, certainly most places that I would ever look at working don't function that way, but it would be like another person that you could hire as so more investments that, that, that like you can make in making the business grow. Uh, and that, that to me is a, thing that you know that that i could definitely see kind of coming into play profits those just make your investors richer um yes <laughs> well i mean look like profit profit it, i mean I, I i actually like very strongly believe it and and like i've been involved in like a number of businesses that bear this out that like 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 uh profit is an opinion from your accountant like <laughs> cash is the only thing that actually like 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 it is is the only thing that is anchored to truth um and and like uh, i think like for for folks who have never run a business before certainly for me before i had ever run a business like that was a very hard concept to understand of like of like you know but x company is profitable like why like why aren't they worth more? Why company is so unprofitable? Like why, why, why are they worth, you know, why are they worth so much more? And then like, once you actually get into running a business, no matter the size, you very quickly figure out that like, oh, wait a minute, like profit doesn't matter. What matters is how much cash is in my bank account. <laughs> because like, that's what I get to invest with. That's like, that's what my business lives and breathes on. And so if, if there is cash flowing in, like more and more and more over time, I'm 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 doing quite well. It doesn't matter what what my income statements say at the end of the year, because there's all sorts of things I can do with that. Like the profit is just the thing that my accountant does at the end of the, you know, to like it and like it it really is an opinion. <laughs> I think it, it it took me a while to catch up to what you're saying. Like you're saying, if you have a lot of cash flow and you're investing it, then the fact yeah. that you're not profitable is not is it's exactly not is exactly an opinion. Yeah. yeah, I I I agree with that, and it is hard to tell uh, from the bird's eye point of view when a company is not profitable because it's bad at business. Yeah, and when it's not profitable because it reinvests things into things that will be profitable someday. Yeah, because honestly like those are those are the same you know those are this those look like the same behavior it's just that one one person is you know buying uh you know buying assets that will take a while but they'll 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 appreciate and the other person is you know digging a hole in the backyard and paying throwing 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 money in there and then burying it yeah it it, it is very very difficult to tell from the outside and as well, like companies tend to do whatever they can to hide that information from you. Yeah, no, there's because no like, for them to want yeah, because if they're unprofitable, if they're sorry, if if they're cash losing, like they don't want you to know because then they'll go under. If they're if they're cash printing, like they want, you know, they've clearly found an edge. They want to preserve that as as long as they possibly can. Um, the way the way that I, I will typically look and, and like try to tell is like essentially like number one is this company continuing to grow because it does tend to be hard to, to like fund a company, uh, to like fund the growth of a company that is money losing on a, on a per transaction basis and doesn't have their cash flow scaling. Um, and then number two is like, can I identify investments that, that these companies are making? Because if they're making investments, like if, if I'm watching Amazon in like, you know, 2005 and they're building warehouses, it's like, well, how are they building warehouses if they're just losing money constantly? Um, and so like, then you can sort of see like, okay, like they clearly are generating free cash because if they weren't, they wouldn't be able to build warehouses. They would just have to, 
whatever investment dollars they were taking, they'd have to recycle that into paying their operational costs. Like that's clearly not what they're doing if they're able to do all this CapEx, sorry, capital expense. Uh, and so, you know, so like that's one of the ways that I look at it. it and, and, and I've learned internally for like some of the businesses that, that I'm involved in that we can make that same evaluation. Basically, is there money available? Like, so, you know, we can see this business builds, you know, X widget. If, you know, I know that there are, that there are opportunities to build also a similar, you know, Y widget and a Z widget as well. Is there cash available to invest in those? Like good businesses, it'll basically be like, well, yes, those are adjacencies, but we do not, there's no way to generate enough cash for us to make those investments. Uh, sorry, I should say bad, bad, bad businesses. Like there's no way to make those investments and good businesses, you basically say, oh, like, you know, within six months or eight months or 12 months, we'll have enough money that we can make those investments just from a free cash flow perspective. And then if that's the case, then I can actually go borrow it now and like make those investments now. And then, and then you start to see like, all right, this, this is why the cash part matters. The profit part is just something we're gonna write down at the end of the year. Your statement there, it makes it occur to me that like so much of what I know about business is under the assumption of like a low interest rate regime. Like neither yeah. of us have lived through anything like the 1970s. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I wonder if like the whole, like basically you take all of the stuff that we know and if it's, it basically just doesn't count anymore if you can't raise a fair amount of cheap capital for a, a functional business or a semi-functional business. Yeah, I mean, life, life gets a lot harder when, you know, when, when like cost of capital goes up. Um, and I mean, it, it basically means that you need to fund your, you know, you know, you, you will have to fund your growth off of your current, like off of your current base. Mm -hmm. um, to a certain extent, like, yes, that's a very different operating environment. Um, if you, I feel like your CFO has more power and your CTO has less power in that regime. Um, I mean, I think it depends. Like, like there is an argument there that like equity capital becomes a lot more valuable um, because it, for the uh, uh, assuming that you're built, like, I what what happens or, or what what tends to happen in like um, uh, in in inflationary environments like the one that you're talking about when like interest rates are high. Um, and, and so debt is, 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 is not as easily accessible um, is that like, like businesses with pricing power will, you know, will tend to win out, right? Because like, like what, they'll, what they'll essentially do is they'll, you know, they'll raise their prices over time so that they can recycle that cash into the investments that, that they need to make. Uh, and then they don't need to borrow. Because they're they're effectively borrowing from their customers, um, uh, and uh, you know today a lot of businesses don't have to do that because the low rate environment basically means like you can access debt for for like pretty cheap, uh, and everyone want needs needs the risk for their returns, and so they're pumping money into into equities. Um, but that, like, the, the question is how, how much of a premium is there on producing cash? And in a, in a low rate environment, the, like, there's not, at least, there's not a significant premium to that in, in, in the early days. Like, you can always push the cash off until later because no one has any alternatives <laughs> that are cash producing today. Uh, the rates go up, more of a premium gets, gets put on producing cash today and then having pricing power with respect to that so that you can raise your rates over time. And like, if you have a business that can do that, like that's gonna get a lot more attractive in comparison to say like a, you know, a 6% a bond versus like a negative interest rate bond. <laughs> 
mean, I think a lot of that, so you can have high interest rates and high or low inflation, depending yeah, on the yes, high yeah, interest yeah. rates. I mean, the inflation is not, is not, but, but like yeah. the, the, the big question is how, how attractive is the bond versus the business? Yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's kind of the and part like, that I was keying on is like, if there's, if there's a easy way to make money off yeah. of safe investments, then a lot of the business, like you were, you were talking about, like people want risk, right? Yeah. And it, like there's no only way to like beat the market is to take weird risks. Um, and that's not like, that's not probably the default investor's mode in a high interest rate environment. Yeah, I mean, in a, in, in a high interest, like if I think about how I would operate in a high interest rate environment, it, it really means like, a business that I would invest in, like either needs to have an, like really just an enormous upside um, uh, or it needs to be productive in the sense of like, it's got to generate, like a, it, it needs to be able to generate a lot of cash quickly because like, I've got to be paid for that. Units. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For that, like, you know, like when I could have put a hundred dollars in a bond returning 6% a year, like, like I've got to be paid for that if I'm going to put it into a company instead, um, um, and so so that's that's at least how how like I would do that. But then that means like the companies that 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 are actually like cash producing, like they they become even more valuable because they're now they're the only ones that can make like growth type investments, right? Because like you can't borrow anymore, um, uh, and 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 so so to a certain extent it's like well you know imagine i mean i don't know about today but but like imagine amazon of like 2005 in a you know in a in like a 10% rate environment like that business is even more attractive because they're yeah. the only ones who can build warehouses <laughs> it feels like it's an incumbent like there's a strong incumbent bias like you'd see there's like it's yeah. not like it's not like you'd see less concentration. Like I don't think that that's the case. No, but like you I would think, see less. Would see more. You would see you would see more entrenchment. Like there'd be fewer yeah. companies knocked off. Yeah, the, like the um the in a high rate environment, the returns to scale would get even more, like like even more powerful. Um, to to go to go back to the original subject that we were we were talking yep. about i do think there's a i don't like this could play out in one of different ways but i i do think there's a strong possibility that remote work is going to be in a net negative on real wages for yeah. the people that do it right? yep. like yep. not that everyone is going to be a loser but that like there's like an average there's going to be an average deal um decrease like that there is going to be more engineers competing with uh each other yeah against uh, against a, a set pool of jobs i don't know that that's like it doesn't have to play out that way i think that all depends on the um like how much companies value a particular type of engineering how much they value yeah. the the uh, you know the, the like the the quality of it right yep. and how much how good remote is right like if there if we actually figure out how to make it work in ways um or if it's more like they realize that it's more replaceable they or they they decide that it's more replaceable yep. uh that like the like the particular human ta talents are more fungible than they previously thought that they were yeah um, yeah yeah I, I mean i think Again, like that's that, like going back to the theme of like labor market dynamics, like it, it like fits in there. Like, like at the end of the day, those are the second order effects that I think are actually going to come to dominate where this lands um, of like, of like, you know, there's a world where this opens up the supply side. And so companies are less are less capacity constrained in terms of their ability to hire engineers 
And then what that does is that opens up building capacity and all of a sudden they, you know, they build way more things and are able to create 10 times as much economic value as before. And a good chunk of that flows back to, back to the engineers, in which case, like in that scenario, you would see everybody's wages are going to go up. But there's an alternative scenario where it's like, well, actually, it's it's the same amount of economic value created, only now you've increased the supply pool by 10x, like that's going to put a downward pressure on wages. And and like it doesn't, you know, sort of, it, as you said, like, like, wages tend, tend to be sticky on the low side. And so it's not like, oh, someone who moves from the Bay Area to say Bozeman, Montana, they're not, they, they may not take a pay cut, but it's when they're going to go look for that next job, is it, are they going to get compensated at the same level? Yeah. And the, and the, like, that could still be a net gain in real wages, right? Where yeah. your cost of living is lower, but your yeah. wages are just a little bit lower. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, and I think it's interesting to frame it that way. I, I think that, um, I think that companies discovering that engineers are fungible and not create like not creating a supplying enough economic value after a big increase in the supply of the engineering pool yeah. is actually this like those are actually the same thing right mm -hmm. like in like that that's basically the same story but told from the supply side instead of the yes. demand side yeah um which which is interesting um yeah. I, 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 it's hard for me to say which way that's going to go. Yeah. I have this feeling that like, we're actually going to unlock a lot of interesting stuff. That is, like, that that we've is... been working in like these set patterns for forever. And I yeah. really feel like American businesses are not amazing at just innovating because like for innovation's sake, but I yeah. do think that they are good at like, here's a, here's a weird roadblock work around this. And then they discover that's not a roadblock if you approach it in the right way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, it, as like someone who didn't grow up in America, like the thing that I can say, but like grew up in a country that is like a weird facsimile of America. Weird facsimile like, of America. But with like different culture and like a very different approach to things. I mean, I, you're the, uh, I mean, like it's the Royal Crown Cola to Coke, right? Like it, it, yeah, it like does the same job. It tastes slightly, it tastes interesting. Uh, uh, it, 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 you could mistake it for, you know, if you didn't see the label, like you did mistake one for the other. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then you like get into it and realize like, oh, like there are some fundamental differences here and, you know, and, and, and like America is a country that has problems. Do yeah. not get wrong. Uh, I would argue most countries in the world have some set of problems. America has some very serious ones, but I will say like, the thing, the thing you just described is like something that like Americans are off the charts good at. And like everyone who lives here and has grown up this way, like doesn't understand how rare that is everywhere else of like, of like basically saying like, here is a problem. It's not really clear how to solve this. In like a lot of places, they will literally just like drive around the problem forever and pretend it's not there. And like here, somebody will say like, oh man, that's like a really big problem. And I might be able to do something interesting here. And then they'll go do it and produce something amazing. Like there are not a lot of countries out there where like that's kind of baked into the culture and people think that way. Yeah, like, we, on, I, we only think that way about things that aren't our legal system. <laughs> I, I, I mean, yes, right? <laughs> I, I mean, look, this is not to say that like, it, that, like every problem gets solved this way. No, uh, you know, but like there are, there are like, especially in business, like it is like a, it, it is like we will crack the problem. Eventually, yeah, it, it's like right? you figure something out and then like these products come out and you're like, oh my God, like this is amazing. And like, you know, uh, and, and I mean, I, I like just kind of contrast that with like where I came from. I mean, there are, you know, there are a fair number of Silicon Valley companies that have Canadian founders. 
and I, you know, big ones. And like at a certain point in time, like you do kind of need to ask the question of like, why didn't like all those people grew up in Canada, a bunch of them were trained in Canada, they did schooling there, they had their first job there. Like, why the hell didn't eBay get started up there? Right? Like, (laughs) it's, it's definitely like, it is more a mindset than, than like, it's definitely like not an essential like thing that you're born with or from yeah. like walking below a certain, you know, being born below a certain uh, mer- uh, parallel line, right? It yeah. It's definitely the fact that like, this is the place where the like-minded people want to work together to do these kinds of things. Um, some of them for better, some of them for worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah but, i mean I, I mean i would argue that the for worse people it's 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 still probably better than say like them trying to take over a small country <laughs> but uh, <laughs> and like and like at least there's a counterbalance <laughs> of like other people trying to crack the same set of problems who maybe don't have the same mindset but i mean, I, I i don't think you're wrong like i do think about like you know our like there's a you know, I, I love Roman history, like a lot of a lot of people do. And like one of the big problems with Rome, Rome was uh, during the Republican period was that um, the politicians had, you know, they were competitive, ambitious people. And mm-hmm. the only, you know, one of the main paths to power was to um, go conquer like territory, right? Yeah. And their politicians were generals and their generals were politicians. Yeah. And so that leads to, like how could that not lead to violent bloody coups against each yeah. other right like this is just like it's impossible to think of that like not turning into civil war at some point yeah. well our equivalent is like the juicero fucking guys right <laughs> <laughs> who are like just trying to figure out how to take money from suckers like <laughs> i mean i mean sure uh, like i would honestly argue like i i I look at that company and I'm like, I don't really see that as a fail, like, because consumers never got duped, right? Like, yeah, like, nobody, like nobody got hurt because it like, was too ridiculous, right? Yeah, well, you know, I mean, you had a, you, you had some venture capitalists who put, yeah. I don't know what it uh, was. Every time, it's not like it's not like a huge tragedy when a venture capitalist doesn't get their yeah. investment back. It's like, no, also, I agree. You know, but also, I, I feel like the reason why it failed is because it was too obvious a bullshit. Yeah, no, no, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I will say, I, I like really, really enjoyed watching the videos of the people just squeezing the juice out of the bag <laughs> and like realizing that that's what this was. And I was like, well, like, why did you buy this in the first place? <laughs> you know that now. Now that said in the same class of product is, you know, is like Cometeer, right? Which, uh, yes, which which like, I have tried and has some things to work out, but I I, I can yeah, see well, a, a possibility there of that. Yeah, actually. Which, which like, you know, is, you know, at least in my opinion, like that's a phenomenal product. And so, you know, it, it, it's the same dynamics that kind of produce both of these things, like, one of the things that I think also is like very counterintuitive to people, especially outside the US, is that if you like, like trying to squeeze all of the inefficiency out of a system, like also reduces the variance of your outcomes, right? And so, and, and so like, Yes, you you can get rid of the Juiceros of the world, but then you also lose, you know, like the cometeers of the world. Yeah, right. I mean, and, I'm, I wasn't like, I wasn't so much mocking the that. inefficiency of the system as like I was agreeing with you that we have created an interesting outlet for our yeah. ambitious elites, right? Yes. That that actually does less harm than other like yeah. than other systems where political power is the main. You know, on the other hand, we probably could use some of our more talented people like going into politics or other areas in, instead yes. of that. But, um, but yeah, it's like and the worst people are mostly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And like and like that, I think, is actually the, you know, the 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 real counterbalance of this, like like the place where I think we have suffered is that um, um, is that is that things like politics and policy and like public service 
like they, you know, they were competitive at one point with everything else for talent. And like over the years, I think that's become less and less and less. So I think it's like, I have this pet theory that comes from my mom's experience working for Tuolumne County um, Mm -hmm. Department of Welfare. Yeah. Where in America, more of the most risk averse people go into government. And I'm not saying they're dumb or untalented, definitely like far from it, but they are like very, very cautious uh, like probably more so than the equivalent in the Canadian government or the French government or, uh, or other, you know, other governments across the country, because we have this sector that pulls people who have like any taste for risk yeah. out of, out of that, 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 um, um, out of that sphere. And that does lead, lead to weird dynamic where like we have, maybe that maybe that drives our infrastructure costs up maybe that that creates like a a tension between the people trying to live in the country and the people trying to um do the work that uh, makes the 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 government part of it run Um, just a theory no empirics to back that up Uh, i mean it's no serious test has been done yeah i mean it is it is definitely like it is an it's a really interesting theory (laughs) I, I could definitely see that as sort of being being part of it. Um, I mean, I I know as well. Like there are other governments out there, for instance, who make make governing or, or they try to make governing like as a you know like not not as a career path, but like as a job. So while 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 you are doing it, they try to make it as lucrative as like other careers that you might have. Um, so so you know in, in like. Um, I, I would have to dig up this, this statistic, but my understanding is that in, in Singapore, for instance, uh, the, uh, uh, the, the average salary of a member of parliament there is like the equivalent of like, of like two to two and a half million dollars um, with the idea that they want to attract talented people and not have them work in finance or medicine or somewhere else. Kind of, I mean, I kind of love the idea, right? It like, like makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Of like, of like, just like, okay, well, if you want the best people, you gotta, you know, you, you have to pay them equivalent to their opportunity cost. Otherwise what you're going to get is like, Either the people for whom this is the best job that 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 they could possibly get, or the people who have already kind of made it and are now like doing this, you know, they they got interested in the service side, or you're you know you'll get a few altruists and then like a bunch of psychopaths, right? <laughs> who, are, who are like kind of looking at this as their as their avenue to power. Um, and like that puts you in a fairly dangerous circumstance, I, I think. Yeah, I, I mean, I've definitely heard the argument. It's a similar. It's a very similar uh, to the argument against unpaid inter- internships, right? Yeah. It's like when, when, and specifically about elected officials, right? Yeah. When that doesn't pay, then it's only the the privileged have the option of of actually. Well, it or. Or, or people who have something else in mind. And like, yeah. I would argue those people are even more dangerous. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, right. So I, I think that, I think that's a, like, that's one of those ideas that like, I just actually don't see the counter argument to it. Like, I'm sure there is one, but I just don't see it. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, um, like, like the more I've thought about this, the more I'm like, yeah, it's just obvious we should pay these people more. Like they do an important job. They have a, they, it, if this past year has shown anything, it's that those people have a very significant impact on our lives. Also, also like think about Cong- like Congress or the legislature, the House of Representatives. Like you, you get like a two-year contract um, yes. that doesn't get renewed, like necessarily, <laughs> right? Like yep. get some sort of <laughs> like I would demand extra money if someone said yeah. like, well, what we're gonna do is we're going to hire you for two years and you have to reapply for your job every two years. And yeah. like, you've got like, you know, 80,000 people or whatever have to have yeah. to have to like more than 50% of them have to decide that you get to keep your job. Right? Yeah. Like, oh, and, 
and and by the way, the internet is going to spend a bunch of time yelling at you. Um, you're Every, going to have everyone's going to think you're terrible at their job if they remember your name at all. Um, yeah, <laughs> um, you're going to have to spend a whole bunch of time parsing these like really really long legal documents to make sure you didn't miss anything. <laughs> Um, and every now and again, we might need you to work 48 hours straight. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I, no. yeah, I mean, like, it, it's hard for me to imagine the amount of money you would have to pay me to make that worth my while. Um, and, and, and so like, yeah, you, then you have to start imagining, well, who's actually going to take that job? No, it, it, it's, it's strictly altruists and sociopaths, right? Like that is, yeah. uh, like in a deliberative body, that's a terrifying mix. Um. Yeah. yeah, no, it, it like it like certainly is, and like and like again, you you start to see this year like what that mix really looks like. It's like it turns out in these spaces, like competence really matters, and and it's not at all clear that we've got the right mix of folks in left, right, whatever side you sit on. Like it's just not clear to me that. That like there's a real kind of competent mix in there, and that's more what you want to see. Yeah, no, I'm definitely I like no matter I don't care about. I mean, let's see. I care about ideology because I feel like if you don't start with like beliefs that value people, you won't get outcomes yeah. that value people. But I care a lot about outcomes. Yeah, right? like that's the that's yeah. that's the part that I care about the most. Yeah, I mean, at at a certain point in time. And like, you know, this is certainly true in business also, like you have to move beyond your value set and look at like, well, what is actually being delivered here? And, you know, like you might want to step back and essentially say like, okay, the things that I believe that has led me to, to like these set of actions, is it actually moving the needle or not? Um, and, and like, if it isn't like, like you got to change what you're doing. <laughs> because yeah. yeah but the the whole like all politics all political discussion is designed to insulate you from the idea that you yes. have to change what you're doing it yeah. is all designed to create excuses for people to not update their beliefs yeah um, which yeah. is the I mean, thing I, that most i most want to get away from in my life like yeah. i want to have more like wait this surprised me why should should i change my belief like that's the yeah. thing i desire yeah. It, and I mean, that's what makes it interesting, right? You don't have that. Like life is pretty boring. Yeah. It's really, it really sucks for you. <laughs> like yeah. it is, it is way better to have the other thing. Yeah. Um, okay. So we, uh, we, we, I we guess we covered this topic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have to put my kids to bed. <laughs> so uh, we are, we have to be done podcasting because I have to put my kids to bed. Yeah. But uh, it was enjoyable. It was this was an enjoyable discussion. Can't wait to can't wait to do it again. We don't really have any we don't have anything to put in the show notes for once. So other than maybe co links to Cometeer Coffee. By yeah. the way, uh, two things Cometeer has to fix. Uh, I'm not sure that those things are actually recyclable, even though they say they are. There's no little there's no little stamp on it, right? Mm. And when you pour the, the ice puck into hot coffee, if you haven't melted it completely, it splashes all over the place. Uh, I figured out how to deal with it by filling it up halfway and then adding the rest of the hot water, but um, yeah, not so, obvious from the instructions. So I just dropped the puck in first and then put the water in. I, I, I found that it mixes better if you put the, the, the cup in after the, after the hot water, but mm. also halfway and then top off. That's the way to go. Um, right. If any of you happens to get in the comment here. Beep, bop, bibbity, bop.